0: Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org postscript. Hi, my name is Lauren Young. I'm a fourth grade math and science teacher at Benford Elementary.
1: And I'm Matt Dean, and I work on the Grow Group team at FaithBridge, and we've been dating for six months now. We heard Ken's talk on standing the gap, and Lauren came back to my house after that, and I started to work on my budget. When I started going through my budget, and I've switched jobs and switched back, and just have not really any room to give extra, I just went in my room and shut the door, and was like just laying on my bed, <laughs> and. <laughs> just like was kind of overwhelmed by going through budgets and the whole money thing.
0: I came in and asked him how he was doing and he told me that he had been thinking about what Kenneth said about the need that Faithbridge had and we had talked about giving each other Christmas presents um, and Matt said what would you think about using the money that we were going to buy each other Christmas presents and giving it to Faithbridge instead.
1: We had just talked about it a couple days ago that we would been a hundred bucks each on um, a Christmas present for each other, that was the budget. And then through like tears I was just like, (laughs) can we just give the money we're gonna give for Christmas presents to the Stand in the Gap Fund because like 500000 seems like a lot, but if a lot of people give $100 then that adds up to, to a lot.
0: There is a part that's hard that feels like, man, Like I was really looking forward to seeing what Matt would come up with, the $100, to see um, what that Christmas present would be. And um, just like the excitement of handing each other a gift and you know, just the fun of that, but knowing at the same time that it's well worth it. I just thought that this was a really great solution for what Ken was talking about. I usually think someone else will give. Someone else will be able to fill in that gap or I think I'll do that some other time.
1: Reading in scripture you see that where you you give your time, where you give your money, uh, that's where your heart's going to be. For us, I mean, it's $100 isn't a ton each, so $200 isn't a lot, but even our $200 can go to something a lot better than, you know, a t-shirt or an Apple watch.
0: What stood out to me most from what Pastor Ken was talking about in the Student in the Gap Fund is thinking about the story of the gentleman that he had with who was in tears over the fact that he wasn't going to be able to give an end-of-the-year gift and thinking about how as a church as a body it's not just one or a few people's responsibility to give but really it's it's a joy that each of us can give and that each of us should approach giving with that heart of oh I I want to be in tears if I couldn't give at the end of a year but is that, is that my heart towards it? I want to be at that place. And I think as a body, each of us should want to be
2: there. Yeah. That was a fantastic update from Ken and then really a great testimony from Matt and Lauren. And I'd like to share with you how that story personally affected my life. Uh, Matt is a close friend of mine. And so a few weeks ago when he was telling me what he and Lauren were sacrificing, to give to Stand in the Gap, it, it really challenged me. And so I went home to Jill and I said, hey, we've got to do something. Uh, we need to sacrifice as well. And, uh, you know, we were planning to give to Stand in the Gap, but after hearing the way they were sacrificing, we ended up doubling our gift and said, hey, we need to jump in and sacrifice as much as they are. And so, you know, for Matt and Lauren, you saw it was Christmas presents. Uh, for Jill and me, uh, it was a stock investment that we were saving and really, my prayer is that that story would impact your life as well, that you would look and you would just say, hey, what can we sacrifice to give towards staying in the gap? What might God be calling me to give up this Christmas season to stand in the gap and invest in his kingdom? So hope you'll do that this week. We've got 13 days left to close out the gap, so let's finish strong. Uh, with that, why don't you grab a Bible this morning? We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. The ushers are coming down the aisle right now. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand and get a Bible from them. Uh, If you don't own a Bible, that's our gift to you this morning. Uh, And you can consider that a Christmas gift that you can open early this morning. So go ahead and do that. Uh, Luke chapter 2, the words will be up on the screen. We're going to start in verse 1. This is what the scripture says. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Let's pray. Well, Father God, I thank you for a cool morning that reminds us that Christmas is on the way. God, thank you for everyone who chose to come and worship this morning. And God, I just want to praise you for what you're doing at Faith Bridge. God, all of the things we saw in that update, uh, God, the way that people are responding generously towards staying in the gap, uh, God, you are worthy of praise and worthy of thanks. Uh, so God, that, that's, that's the simple response. Thank you. Uh, God, today I just ask that um, you'd send your Holy Spirit uh, to come and teach us this morning. Um, God, that you would open up our eyes and our ears and our hearts to you and what you might have for us from your scripture. God, make this moment not about words that I'm saying, but words that you are speaking through me to your congregation. So Lord, meet with us now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, when I was in kindergarten, I was chosen to play Joseph in our church's Christmas play. Or at least that's what I remembered my role to be until my parents went through the home videos this week and kindly reminded me of two things. First, I never had any acting abilities growing up. And second, I was not Joseph. I was the innkeeper in that play. That's right, the guy with one line, not many lines. And so I was the innkeeper. And when they said that, it actually kind of made sense to me. And I did remember back to the scene. The church had made this little makeshift inn. And I was behind it waiting for Mary and Joseph to ride up on a donkey and on a donkey they rode up and uh, that donkey was also played by a young child. And so I was thankful that I was at least allotted one line and not the poor kid who had to have Mary ride on her. And that's how he remembers this play, scarring event as a child. But anyway, back to the scene. So Mary and Joseph, they ride up to the end, they knock on the door, open it, and in a loud angry voice, I proclaim my one and only line, there's no room in the inn. I mean, I should have been Joseph. It's quite clear to me, but whatever, (laughs) not bitter. And so I proclaim this line, I slam the door in their face and they walk away looking for a place to stay. And so they find this manger and that's where the play finished up at the manger. You know, it's been almost 25 years since that play But every time I I think about the Christmas story of how Jesus ended up in this manger with Mary and Joseph, I think back to my role in that play. I think back to an angry innkeeper who proclaims in a loud voice, there's no room in the inn. And you know, I I started looking at the passage of scripture we just read this week. And as I was looking at it, I, I never stumbled across this angry innkeeper. I mean, if you look at the passage of Scripture, all it gives us as to why Mary and Joseph ended up in this manger was because there was no place for them in the inn. It doesn't mention anything about an angry innkeeper. It just simply says there's no place for them in the inn. And so with that in mind, I just began to reimagine this scene, the scene of Mary and Joseph coming to the inn and, and knocking and asking the innkeeper for a room. Only this time, I didn't imagine an angry innkeeper. I just imagined a guy who was out of room. He was preoccupied, and he didn't have enough margin for Jesus. And as I was thinking about that guy, it was as if the Holy Spirit just spoke right to me and said, yeah, that guy looks pretty familiar. And in that moment, I realized with utter clarity I'm the innkeeper. I'm the innkeeper. Only in my life, I don't have a block of rooms that are filled. No, my life is a block of time on my schedule that's filled. All the while, I just don't have time to make room for Jesus. And you know, I think about this season, and if you go to my house, the Christmas tree is up. The lights are on the house to match it. All the presents are underneath the tree. The shopping's done. They're wrapped I will confess that Jill does the wrapping at our house so that presents don't end up in a WalMart bag. You know, here at work, the financial reports are in order. All these things are taken care of. And Jesus is standing at my door and he's asking, "Is there any room in the inn?" And I don't have any room. I'm out of room. I'm preoccupied. And there's not any margin for Jesus. That sound familiar. My guess is I'm not the only innkeeper in this room, and that if Jesus was standing knocking at your door, the answer might be the same. There's no room in the inn. And as I pondered that reality, I began to wonder, what could the innkeeper have done differently so that this scene would be of a different result? What could he have done to make room for Jesus? And as I pondered that question, I thought of three things the innkeeper could have done. First, the innkeeper could have said yes to less and there would have been room for Jesus at the inn. He could have said yes to less and there would have been room for Jesus. I mean, if you think about it, that night, the inn was just booked. It was sold out. There wasn't a single room available because he had said yes to these other guests who came. But if he hadn't, there would have been room for Jesus. In her book, The Best Yes, Lisa Turkhurst explains what happened that night to the innkeeper when she says that whenever you say yes to something, there is less of you for something else. So make sure your yes is worth the less. Make sure your yes is worth the less. And for some of us, that's the problem we have. The reason we don't have time for Jesus in our lives is because we've said yes to so many other things. We've said yes to serving on the PTA. We've said yes to coaching a son or daughter's sports team and another sports team. We've said yes to working out three to five times a week. We've said yes to that promotion at work. We've said yes to packing kids' lunches and helping them with homework. The reason we don't have room for Jesus in our lives is because we've said yes to far too many things and there's not any margin left. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, Sully, hold on. You're not wrong. I mean, the reason that the innkeeper was out of room is because he had said yes to all these other guests, but he didn't know that Jesus was coming. If he had known Jesus was coming, well, then he would have made room for him. And I don't think you're wrong. And in fact, that leads me to the second thing the innkeeper could have done. If he wanted to make room for Jesus, the second thing he could have done was move other guests out so that there was room for Jesus. He could have moved some other guests out and then there would have been room for Jesus. And in fact, I think and I believe that if the innkeeper really knew who Jesus was, he would have done just that. He would have moved the other guests out. And I can prove it to you with something that's relevant right here in Houston, Texas. You see, in February of 2017, we are hosting the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 51 is coming to Houston, Texas. And if you were to call right now to a hotel down near NRG Stadium, ask for a room at that hotel, what's their answer gonna be? They're booked, they're sold out. They've been sold out for months. There is no room for you at that hotel. There's nothing you can do a hotel staff or a hotel manager to get you a room. There's nothing you can do. They are sold out. But there's one thing you can say. If you say you're J.J. Watt, you're going to have a room at that hotel. I mean, if you say you're J.J. Watt, some way, somehow, you're getting a room at that hotel. I don't know if that means that some reporter from L.A. is going to show up that weekend and find that his hotel reservation has been mysteriously canceled. But if you're J.J. Watt, Some way, somehow, you're getting a room. Why? Because the hotels know exactly who J.J. Watt is, and that makes a difference. Why does it make a difference? Because there's a value of having J.J. Watt stay at your hotel, a value that you and I don't have. And if you're wondering this morning, what's the value of having J.J. Watt stay at your hotel? Just ask H-E-B, Ford, Ford. Papa John's, Bose, and all of his other advertising people, they can all tell you the value of having J.J. Watt. And for many of us, if we're going to make room for Jesus in our lives, it's going to happen by moving other things out. In the same way that the hotel makes room for J.J. Watt, it's going to take us moving things out to make room for Jesus. And admittedly, this is a challenge it's not easy to move things out because most of the things in our lives are good things. And the things that are not good, those bad things that are in our life, those are difficult to remove. We see an illustration of this in Luke chapter 10. Jesus goes and he visits uh, the home of Mary and Martha. And I want you to look at the scripture. This is what it says in Luke 10. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. There's two things I love about that text. The first is that the scripture tells us that Martha was distracted by her to-do list. There were so many things on her list that she was distracted and that's us. We're distracted. Our attention has been placed on so many other things that we've forgotten the value that we have in our relationship with Jesus. That's the greatest thing that we own is our relationship with Jesus, and we've forgotten about that. And that's the second thing I love about this text, is that Mary, by sitting at Jesus' feet, the scripture says, chose what was better. By sitting and investing in her relationship with Jesus, she had chosen what is better. You know, I was thinking back to a few years ago, a buddy of mine worked at Deloitte with me and this guy was really successful. He was working on some big time projects and some big time places. Uh, he was traveling to the Northeast, West Coast, Europe, racking up airline miles, hotel points and reviews that would have probably led to an early promotion. There was only one problem. He was in his first year of marriage And while he was gone five to six nights a week, his wife, his new wife was at home, left behind. And when he got back from these trips, he was so tired that he could barely bring his suitcase back in the front door, much less invest in a conversation with his wife. So his marriage began to struggle until one day he decided to choose what was better, his wife, turned in his resignation letter left a near six-figure salary and said, I'm gonna go take a job that gives me some flexibility, an opportunity to have a date night with my wife, to join a small group and attend it together, to invest in my relationship with my wife. He chose what was better. And for many of us, that's the action step for us today. It's to begin choosing what is better. In the same way that my buddy prioritized his wife, we need to prioritize our relationship With Jesus, You know, the things that I mentioned just a minute ago, those aren't bad things. It's not bad to be on the PTA. It's not bad to coach a son or daughter's sports team. It's not bad to work out. It's not bad to take a promotion at work. It's not bad to help our kids with homework. None of those things are bad things. However, when we escalate those things, when we ascribe a value to those things, so much so that they take all of our time, that any free opportunities we have, we're doing those things and we shove Jesus to the side, that's when it becomes a bad thing, something we need to move out of the way to make room for Jesus. You know, the list of good things though, that's not the only thing that needs to be moved out of the way. You know, I'm quite confident that in this room, the thing that's holding some of us back is a bad thing a sinful pattern that's keeping us away from Jesus. In the same way that if we looked at the rooms that night at the inn, what we would find is that some of those rooms were filled by crooked characters, immoral people doing some things that they shouldn't, maybe a criminal laying low after an activity. Yes, I'm quite sure those rooms were filled with bad people. And the same is true of our lives. We've gotten involved in these sinful patterns and they've created a wall between us and Jesus. That shortcut we took at work to get promoted, to make it up the corporate ladder. Those texts we've been sending to a member of the opposite sex that isn't our spouse. That computer screen we've sat in front of for hours looking at pornographic images. The gossip we've spread about somebody to slander them so that we look better all of those things are keeping us from Jesus. And if that's you, I want you to hear me very clearly right now. The gospel is this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. If you look at the scripture all throughout it, what you'll find is that Jesus moved towards the sinner. You look who he was hanging out with, he would dine with greedy tax collectors there's a moment where we find him at the well with a woman who's near prostitution. His disciples, his inner circle, were these fishermen with broken paths. Jesus moved towards the sinner. But I know for many of us, when we get caught up in sin, particularly those secret sins that nobody else knows about, we move away from Jesus. In the same way that none of us goes to see a dietician after a weekend of Whataburger and uh, McDonald's. No, we cancel that appointment. We say we're sick, right? We tend to avoid Jesus when there's sin in our lives. And if that's you this morning, the action step for you is to move towards Jesus and to move towards community. People who can walk with you through the struggle, who can move together and help you get past this. It says in the scripture that all have sinned, It falls short of the glory of God. There isn't a perfect person in this room. We all struggle. We all struggle in many ways. And you know, for me, I find that when I'm sinning, there's a lie that creeps in from the enemy. He tells me, hey, you're the only person that's struggling with that thing. You're the only person in the whole world. So don't bring that up. Nobody else is dealing with that. And I wanna tell you, that is not true. It says that all of us struggle. And so I want to beg you, move towards Jesus and move towards community today. That may mean calling up a grow group leader this afternoon or a serve team leader. It might mean coming out to the connection center and talking to a pastor, scheduling a time to come in, grabbing the hand of a prayer partner that's down here at the front after the service, but moving towards community, moving towards healing this morning. And again, I wanna be clear on this point, it's not because Jesus isn't moving towards you, he is. But when we have sin in our lives, we move away from him. And so whether it's something good or it's something bad, my prayer all week has been that we will move those things out of the way so that we have a clear path to spending time with Jesus. Now I told you there were three things, right, that the innkeeper could have done. So let me tell you what the last thing is the innkeeper could have built more rooms and then there would have been room for Jesus. He could have built more rooms and there would have been room for Jesus. And now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, Sully, that's impractical. I mean, what was the innkeeper supposed to do? Mary and Joseph are knocking at his door and he's supposed to say, wait one minute, let me get my hammer and nail and build room? That's impractical. And again, you're right, it is. But here's the truth. Where there's a will, there's a way. I've seen this to be true in my own life. If I deem that something is important, I build room for it. I make time for it in my life. In fact, the last few months have been some of the busiest of my entire life. You've seen the numbers that Pastor Ken's been talking about, the Stand in the Gap Fund. That's my job. I'm the business administrator. I live in those numbers. For the past few months, I've been meeting with our ministry leaders, figuring out where are we gonna end the year in terms of spending on our ministries, looking at contribution patterns and seeing where are these trends gonna take us? And then using all of that information in 30 or more meetings to try and project a budget for 2017. I've been very busy here at Faith Bridge. And then last weekend, I was uh, officiating a wedding in Mansfield, and then I come back this week, and I'm preaching on Sunday. Outside of those things, Jill and I had three friends get engaged in the last two months. Very close friends, friends that will be in their weddings, and so we've been at engagement parties, wedding showers. They're gonna have their weddings on back-to-back-to-back weekends in February, so we're buying dresses, or at least that's what Jill's doing. I'm buying a suit. (laughs) You know, we're doing all of these things, and in fact... You can ask Jill or anybody who's close to me, if you come up to me and you say, hey, do you have some time on your schedule? My standard answer is ask me after December 18th. I'm maxed out. But you know what's interesting? In the last two months, I haven't missed a single snap of an Aggie football game. All of the shows that I like to watch in this season, Designated Survivor, there's not an episode on my DVR that hasn't been watched. And if you had called me in the last few months and said, hey, I've got a tea time with your name written on it, I'd have been at the golf course in a heartbeat. And I'm guessing if it's true of me, it's probably true of you as well. You know, we're not willing to make room in our schedules for Jesus, but if there's a deadline at work, we'll work overtime to make sure that deadline is met. We're not willing to build room in our schedules for Jesus, but we've watched all four episodes of the new Gilmore Girls series on Netflix. We're not willing to build room in our schedules for Jesus, but if that select sports team calls and our kid makes the roster, we'll tack it onto our schedule. And we won't build room in our schedules for Jesus, but we're not gonna miss a Texans game. And if there's something that we deem to be important, we'll make time for it. We build room in our schedules for these things. And here's the trouble. We're willing to do this for all these other things, but when it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we lack creativity. We get lazy. I get lazy. You heard me right, I get lazy. You know, as I was preparing this sermon, it quickly became clear that this was the preacher preaching to the preacher. As I step back and I examine my own life, I see there's certainly things that I need to move out of the way to make room for Jesus. And there's times where I need to build room in my schedule to make room for Jesus. And as I was reflecting on those things, really thinking about those things, the line between conviction and condemnation blurred very quickly. Those two things kind of overlapped. And the truth of the matter is I'm convicted. I'm guilty of the things that we're talking about this morning. And I need to make some changes in my life, and my hope and my prayer this week is that God is revealing that to you right now. That for some of us, it's just pausing in the morning, spending a moment reading a chapter of the Bible. For others, it's before we hit start on that car engine or crank that key, it's spending a minute praying to God, maybe before our feet hit the ground to pray. For others, it's to be generous with our time or our resources, to begin giving or serving for the first time. And you know, as I was thinking about that, some of us, it is the first time. We just have never done those things. But my guess is for many of us, it's just that they've gotten away from us. For me in my life, I find that it just didn't happen this week. And so I'm gonna, you know what? I'm gonna get up tomorrow on Monday and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna read my Bible. And the alarm goes off and I don't make it. So it waits till the next week and the next week. And then it's been a month. And so I'm hoping that God... Is allowing you to recognize these patterns in your life. But I don't want the recognition of these things to lead you to condemnation. Scripture tells us in the book of Romans that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And in fact, this is what we celebrate at Christmas Jesus coming. Jesus came because we're guilty. He didn't come to condemn us. Instead, He came to plead our case, to right our wrongs, to take the punishment that we deserve to save us. And that Jesus is here. And He's standing at your door and He's knocking and He's saying, is there any room in the inn? And my hope and my prayer is that that answer would be yes. Even if it means that we need to choose to say yes to less, to choose to move some things out, or choose to build more room. Let's pray. God, you know that all week long I've just been thinking that there are so many demands, so many opportunities, so many things that can fill up our schedules to take our time. And God, my prayer this morning is that you would remind us that you are better than all of those things. God, our relationship with you is more important than any of those things. And God, it's hard. We're like Martha, we get distracted. And so Lord, I'm praying that you would send your Holy Spirit to reveal these patterns in our lives and help us take a step to move them out, to move them on in our lives. God, I pray right now for each of the the, the points of the innkeeper. God, I pray for those who just need to say yes to less. God, as I've thought about that this week, God, I, I'm guessing maybe even right now, there's someone who's got an opportunity in front of them that they're considering saying yes to, but they know it's gonna take a lot of their time, so much so that they're gonna move you out. And so God, I pray that you'd give them the wisdom and the clarity to know whether they need to say yes to that thing Or if they need to let that pass in front of them. God, for those in the room who need to move things out of their lives, whether that be good or bad, God, I know with good things, what's hard about it is they're good. They're things we enjoy. But Lord, if they're taking precedent over you, we've gotta move them out. So God, give us the confidence and the courage to do it. Lord, I especially wanna pray for those in in this room that maybe you've revealed this morning there's a sinful pattern in their life that they've gotta make room by moving that out. God, that's not easy. God, to confess to someone, to admit our shortcomings is hard. And so God, by your grace and your mercy, I pray that you'd give them the boldness to do that today, to grab a grow group leader, serve team leader, someone here this morning and just say, hey, I need to talk to you. I need you to walk through this struggle with me. And then God, finally, for those of us who just really need to build room in our schedules. God, we get creative when it comes to work and family and so many things, but when it comes to you, we just get lazy. And so Lord, I pray that you'd wake us up this morning and allow us to to make room for you, the most important thing. God, we love you. We're so thankful for Jesus. Thank you for this season that we get to celebrate him coming for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
0: Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at Faith Bridge by talking with the teacher of the day.
3: welcome to Postscript. I'm Ann Riley, Grow Group and Discipleship Director, and I'm here with our business administrator, Sully Sullivan. How are you?
0: Good. Good. All right.
3: We're so glad to hear from you again today. Um, I think it was a very timely and relevant message for how busy this season gets. I'm just even thinking with Christmas Eve being seven days away, Mm -hmm. all I can think about is the enormous amount of things that I need to do this week. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love how you pointed out that we all are the innkeeper. We did have um, a question come in. Mm -hmm. um, And this person asked, I understand what you are saying about making room for the things in your life that you ascribe our value to, like the JJ Watt analogy. Mm -hmm. However, what if you have to admit that Jesus doesn't naturally appear like J.J. White in your life um, because it's easier and more natural to as- ascribe value to other things? Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for changing this in your heart?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's really the root of the problem, right? If you look at Luke chapter 10, what does it say about Martha? It says she was distracted and we all get distracted by so many things in our lives that it's hard to keep Jesus at the center. Um, and so, you know, I was, as I was preparing this sermon this week, I almost talked about Peter uh, because I really relate to Peter in my life. Um, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 13, there's this passage that I wanna read. Um, Jesus comes to his disciples and, in, or excuse me, it's Matthew 16, verse 13. He comes and he says, hey, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Who are people saying that I am? And they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah or this other prophet. He says, well, who do you say that I am? Because that's really the question we all need to ask is, who do I think Jesus is? Because ultimately, that's what matters. And Peter says, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. He has this recognition that Jesus is the Messiah. He is worth it all. And Jesus replies to him, he says, blessed are you for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. It says that God revealed this to him. And I think maybe that's the place to start is asking God, I want more of you in my life. I want to be filled by your Holy Spirit. I want to see you as most valuable. But there are all these other things. So asking, can this be revealed by the Father? And you know, I think another thing what I like about Peter is, he's like us. He he knows this in this moment. And then just moments later, Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to be crucified. And he's like, oh no, Lord, we're going to battle. And he's like, get away from me. You know, he has these moments where with utter clarity, he knows who Jesus is, but then he's found around the fire and he's disowning Jesus. He has these moments. And I love at the end of John, I think it's the very last chapter, 20 or 21, he sits down with Peter and he just brings him right back and he says, hey, do you love me, Peter? Yes. Okay, well then come on, you know, tend my sheep. He gives him all these actions. He's like, just come on, come back in. And I think that's what Jesus would say to us is, hey, it's okay. Like, but come back, come move forward with me. Let's do this together. So that's what I would say is just pray and ask the Lord. I think he will reveal to that. I think he will show you the things that need to be most valuable in your life. Um, If we ask for it.
3: Yep, and I I think you're right that it does start with a heart change. You can redo your schedule and block out time and do all -hmm. kinds of things, but unless your heart truly is in it ultimately you're gonna turn to hit the snooze on the alarm, turn the TV back on, Mm -hmm. hit Netflix again, Um, and so with the stirring in your heart to make a change to make room for Jesus mm-hmm. as you um, urged us to do today. Um, let's just say that I'm leaving here today and, and I'm responding to, to yes, Lord, I want to make more mm-hmm. room for you. What does that practically look like?
2: Yeah, well, that's a question I've been asking myself even lately is, okay, how do I make room? How do I build more room? Are there things that I need to say yes to less and i think the first thing is don't answer that question alone i I think uh, either we just have a blurred perspective it's so helpful to either process that with your spouse or with a good friend who knows you and says hey am i overcommitted?" particularly for that first one are there things that i just need to say no to i think that's a helpful place when it comes to the moving things out um I think sometimes it can be small things. I'll tell you for me what it is. You know, I mentioned, hey, before you turn the car on, you know, say a prayer. For me, it's turning the radio off. Um, I've got a, you know, 10, 15-minute drive to work. And instead of listening to the radio, instead of listening to Spotify, turn it off and just spend the time praying. And, you know, sometimes, even on the the drive to work today, I... I kind of ran out of things that I wanted to pray about. I prayed for the sermon. I prayed for standing in the gap. And I, things weren't coming to mind, but that's okay. It's, it's taking that step and it's moving forward and, and developing this relationship. Um, you know, another thing for me is, again, it, it, most of the time it happens for me in the car. That's, that's me. Um, the technology has caught up with us. The apps on our phone, even the FaithBridge app, when you go to the Bible, you can have it read it to you. I feel like there's no longer an excuse. You know, sometimes like, oh, I don't have time to sit down. Well, I'm driving places. You know, I can listen to the scripture and just, I'll just keep backing it up and listening over and over. And if something sticks out to me, you know, one of our pastors, Terry Takel said, hey, when you get to the red light, go find that scripture, copy it and email it to yourself. That way it's, you're reminded of it. And I'll tell you, as I've done that, even just this week, there've been instances where I'm meeting with one of my employees and I'm able to speak some truth into her life because of the scripture I just read or even to my own life. So I think sometimes it's just the little things that we do. Turn the car radio off. You know, when you pick up your kids from school, engage them in a conversation. Turn on, you know, a reading of the Jesus storybook Bible or something. When you're going to bed at night, I think sometimes when we capture the little moments that leads to the bigger moments. Um, so I think from a practical standpoint, I'd say that. And then what I love as a leadership team, we've discovered, hey, the practical is missing. Our congregation is asking this a lot. What can we do practical? What can we do? And so that's what our series in January is about. You know, we sat in a room this week and really mapped out our Resolve for More series. And that's what it's going to be is come resolve for more and do it in a way that's practical, not this giant step of I'm going to work out every day. No, I mean. By the second day, you're done, right? But let's do this practically. Let's resolve for more together in prayer, uh, in reading the Bible, uh, in giving, and in, with community. That's what we're going to be talking about in January. And I'm excited because I think that's that's where I am. I think that's where a lot of our congregation is. So,
3: Such a great message, and I'm excited for January as well mm-hmm. um, as we look more at these pieces of discipleship and how we can grow together in that way. So thank sure. you for your message, sure. and thank you for joining us here for Postscript.
0: Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org slash postscript.